suntan. Good, good morning. <laughs> good morning. I look a lot different. It's great to enjoy the sunshine, just avoid the sunburn. That's the most important thing. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Roscoe. On time and on budget. Ready to roll. I know it's a busy uh, morning this morning, um, so I'm not sure how many people are going to make it for Sunday school today, uh, but we will give it our best shot, and I know that we have a lot of activity going on at the church uh, later on, uh, including a change in format. So I'm going to go ahead and say good morning to everyone, and we are live, uh, and it is uh, Sunday, June the 7th, 2020, and welcome to Sunday school. We are uh, going to take uh, care of some announcements first. Uh, good morning, Judy. Uh, and uh, good morning to all those who are getting online. We're going to allow people to get online and move forward. Our, um, good morning, Brother Nate. Uh, thank you for being here this morning. Um, um, housekeeping announcements. Uh, this morning, we're going to have uh, at church a... Uh, drive-in worship service, but the drive-in worship service is going to be on our front lawn. So what's going to happen is that individuals will be able to uh, get together uh, with their lawn chairs on our front lawn, and much of the activity is going to take place on the front porch of the church. As far as uh, the singing, there will be music, there will be uh, preaching from the front porch. So bring your, for those of you who are in Akron, bring your lawn chairs and come on down and meet with us. Uh, it's supposed to start around 11 o'clock. Now, I I have to mention 11 uh, only because when, by the time I leave here and by the time I get down to church, uh, it's going to be about a good 30 minutes. So um, after Sunday school, we will get head down and we will live stream the event there as well, too. Uh, but it's going to be based upon when I get there and when I can set up the camera and everything else. So um, I would hope that we can get there and catch most of it and get all of it done. I don't know when they're going to start, but I'm anticipating it'll start about 11. So we'll see how it works. Um, the, um, remember your tithes and offerings for those who are, um, uh, heading down to the church. It'll be the same setup as before. Uh, there'll be a, an offering box available for you to drop your offerings off, um, uh, at the church. Uh, it's open from 1030 until 12 noon. So please make a note of that as well, too. And we appreciate your remembering to contribute, uh, for the church as well, too. And one more note, just please keep uh, Pastor Gus in prayer. Uh, he'll be bringing the message today. Um, and uh, just pray for him to deliver a strong and mighty message for the Lord. Um, he is not 100%. I'll just say that. I'm not going to get into details um, too much. But just keep him in prayer and uh, keep him lifted up before the Lord as he brings the message today. Um, and with that, we're going to go ahead and get started because we've got... Uh, a, a continuation from last week 
in Sunday school in the book of Philippians. Uh, we're going to be going back into Philippians, um, and it's going to be uh, Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to be covering verses 21 through 30 today. And the verses are a continuation of uh, last week where we had covered uh, verses where Paul was uh, sharing his appreciation for the people, uh, the church, the Philippian church, and also stating that, you know, frankly, the um, he is in, in his chains to advance the gospel. That is the theme of joy and suffering. That's what we're going to be discussing today. So for those who are jumping on right now, thank you for being here. Um, my lovely bride is also going to uh, be involved with um, uh, putting things together uh, and saying and providing information for you as well while we're online. But it's Philippians 1. Um, verses 21 through 30. Use your Bibles, please, your electronic devices, and turn to that if, if you may. Um, there is no such thing, you know, it may seem like it's an oxymoron to say joy and suffering. And, and that is something that the world will never understand. It's only what believers in the Lord Jesus Christ will understand, especially if you have been through great suffering of some sort. Uh, there's no way in the world that uh, uh, the world will understand something like that. But Paul is going to be expressing uh, this very thing in these passages here that I'm going to read now from verses 21 through 30 in Philippians 1. And then I'll come back and we'll discuss these one by one. So let's start at verse 21 in Philippians uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 21. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, note that's just one verse, and that's a verse that we've heard many times before. But we'll go back. Let, let me continue here. We'll go back to that. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Verse 27. Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. Now, this letter could have been written to Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, uh, because there's so much here that is so applicable to our church today, where we are today as a church what we've come through as a church, and what we're going to accomplish even in this year. Um, we, we've been through a lot as a church. 
And some things have been very good and some things have not been very good, which is normal for any church, frankly. There, there's, you just package it a different way. It just comes out a different way. Uh, it's very normal for churches to go through times of adversity, situations of adversity. That's something we need to understand and see. So with that in mind, let's go back to the top, verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do all of us understand what that represents and what that means? We are dying every day. Um, and when we talk about dying, we have a physical death that we're going to encounter at one point. But we also recognize that we are dying to self and living for Christ. And so that's what this verse represents. But let's look at it in more detail. What Paul wanted people to understand in this passage, he wanted people to understand, first of all, that your life um, is but a vapor, but it is something where you have to look at eternal values rather than worldly values. You know, there's a great emphasis right now on all the stuff that's going on in the world today, and these things are significant, no question about it. They are things that none of us would have ever predicted or, or understand, but we also recognize that it should be a call for you to recognize that your life in Jesus Christ and the eternal values that he represents by having a relationship with him means so much more than what's going on here on earth. And we, Paul wants us to see life from an eternal perspective. And I think that's the challenge for most believers right now, an eternal perspective. Um, don't let yourself get distracted by things that you see and reminding you that the things that you see sometimes just aren't what you think they are. There are a lot of things that are happening, but we can't we really rely on everything we're seeing right now. The one thing we can rely upon is what Jesus Christ has told us. We have faith in his word. We trust in his word. And he wants us to look at life from an eternal perspective. Paul's purpose in life. Now, see, this is one thing. Paul is recognizing what his purpose is in life because he was going down in verse 25. It says, since I'm persuaded. Those are the comments he's making. If you recognize what your purpose in life is, you will be much bolder for Jesus Christ than you could ever imagine. It's one of the things that is very important for all of us to understand. What is your purpose in life? Your purpose is to do what? Speak out for Christ. And what Paul is saying is he's going to speak out boldly for Christ. Remember, uh, Paul was speaking to the, the Romans in the church, the people who are in charge of uh, running that uh, in the church, in the, in the jail, excuse me. He was speaking to all the people um, in the jail and ministering to them, and so they were quite aware and quite clearly aware of what his message was. He didn't sugarcoat it. He just told it like it was. So there wasn't any issue of them understanding who he was. Here's something to challenge yourself on a little bit. When you speak to someone about your life in Jesus Christ, is it ambiguous to them or is it evident? People should be able to see an evident, an evidentiary nature come from you about the love of Jesus Christ. And so Paul, in his statement, is stating that because he can live in this way, he is not afraid of dying. He is not afraid to go. And that's something that he had to reconcile with 
when he was put in prison. I think I mentioned last week or the last couple of weeks that I have a pretty um, good suspicion here that Paul did not think he was going to get out of prison. And I think that we have to look at his life for what it is. I think he really believed that he was going to be in prison and he wasn't going to be exactly let, let go or put, put away on the streets. He was always going to be in captivity in some way, shape, or form. So he is reconciling even with himself in this passage written to the Philippian church that he is going to die. And he's going to die in such a way where, uh, frankly, it's going to be uh, uncomfortable. It's not going to be something that's going to be a, a very good thing. But he's going to look at it from the standpoint that, hey, it's better to die because I get to leave this place that's just crazy and insane. Um, worldly troubles are what people really get into sometimes. And we need to understand that he is ready to die because he wants to see Christ face to face. There's a passage. We don't need to turn to it. I'm just going to give it to you for a marker. First John three verses two and three. And all it does in first John talks about, uh, when we will eventually meet Jesus Christ face to face, we will be eventually see him, but it will be in death. It'll be in death, and when if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what's going to happen. So 1 John 3, two, 3, uh, 3, 3, verses 2 and 3 talks about that. But what we want you to make sure of here, and what I want you to understand in this particular passage, is that you need to make sure, of course, what your eternal destiny is, what this eternal life is all about, um, focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ and being free to serve Devoting your life to what really counts without fear of death. Now, I got to tell you something, and this is something that um, is just coming from me, so you, you'll have to just kind of accept it for what it is. Um, I'm not afraid of dying. And I'm going to go as far and say that my wife is not afraid of dying either because we have a perspective on what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, when we talk about dying every day, we are one day closer to death, each and every one of us. But even in an internal sense, death is going to be a good thing for us because we get to escape all the aches and pains, all the stress and strain, all the strife that comes with living. Now, it's a joy to live on earth, and it's a joy to live and be here and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to think about this more and more as you develop your relationship with the Lord you're going to have a greater comfort level with where you will be in eternity and what will come with that and that you'll be much more comfortable with whether you live or die, exactly as what's being said here by Paul. That takes progression. That takes growth. That takes an understanding of what God is teaching, a greater understanding. And the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. So we need to understand that it is, whether you live or die, it's a great thing in Christ. And so those are things, that's where I'll leave it. Now, if you have trouble with this, if you're struggling with the idea that you have to die or that you're going to die, then that's something that you need to take to the Lord and just pray about over and over again to just show you it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to be able to say at that last moment when you're here, when you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. It's okay. It's okay to go that route. So please keep that in mind. 
And I'll elaborate on that a little bit more. Um, let's go down and back to Philippians 1, <clears throat> pardon me, verses 22 and 23 and 24. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. So what is he saying here? He's got work to do. It's better for him to be with Christ. But we need to understand what your purpose is. Your purpose is to glorify God in all that you do. That's your purpose. Now, what that means as you navigate that process, wherever you're serving, whatever you're doing, whether you're, you're working uh, in, a, in a store, or whether you're working in an office, whatever it is, or whatever you're doing, whether you're delivering packages, whatever it is, you need to determine what your life purpose is. And whatever that purpose is, you are doing those things to help others to know the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help other people. That's what you're trying to do. And you're doing that in such a way where you're making it known who you are. Paul had a purpose for living when he served the Philippians. He had a purpose for living when he served the other churches that were planted. We have a purpose for living that goes beyond providing for our own physical needs. Think about it this way. Not about what you need, but about what other people need. Are you sensitive to your environment, the people around you who have questions about life and need answers? You are already equipped by the Holy Spirit to provide these very answers. You are able to steer people in the direction they need to go. Are you ready to accept the challenge of being able to minister to other people, no matter what your background is or where you're coming from? It's amazing how you can do wonderful things if you just pay attention to what the Spirit is saying and listen to what people are saying, and you go that route. So who can you help? Who can you serve? What is your purpose? You need to know what your purpose is. Let's take a look at a couple of passages uh, and see what the word says to supplement what's talked about specifically in verse 23. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But let's look at what it says in the other passages to supplement that. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Now, this is what I meant. want you to understand, too, because this is what Paul is speaking of here. And I'm actually going to read verse 7 as well, too, because this is exactly what is important for us to see. We're dying every day. We're going to face obstacles every day. We're dealing with issues all the time. But look at the attitude that you really have to have as a believer and understand that what your purpose is. It says in verse 6 of 2 Timothy 4, and we'll also read verse 7. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. And it first says in verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And that's exactly the attitude that we need to have. And uh, I'll go ahead and throw in a bonus verse, verse 8. Henceforth, you don't, don't worry, you don't have to put it down. Henceforth, <laughs> there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. 
So we understand that our purpose is to minister to others, and we also understand that they benefit too from your ministry if they accept the Lord Jesus Christ as well too. We have the crown of righteousness that's going to be given to us, that's going to be awarded to us as we minister to others. So it really is better to die and be with Christ, but until that time, until that appointed time, when we do die, we are still to live for Christ right here and do what's necessary to bring other people to an understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. One more passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. These are verses that just get you thinking about life in general. We've had a lot of time since the middle of March to think about life. Amen? There's been a lot of time for us to think about life, and there's been a lot of times for us to go over and look at what the importance of life is. And it sometimes comes down to the fact that, you know, your life, it is significant, it is important because God put you here. But we also need to come back to the fact that it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Because you look at the way things are going in life and it's like, well, there is something better for us to look forward to. Can you imagine? That's the most important thing for us to see here. We are blessed to be able to look forward to something that's way better than what we have right now. And that's what we need to see here. And this passage and these passages are affirming all these things that we have something to look forward to in life. And so when Paul is speaking about being persuaded of that it's far better to live for Christ and die to gain, he is going to now communicate again to the church, going down to verse 25, since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith because he knows his time isn't up yet he's got stuff to do as long as you have breath you will you know need to be doing what's necessary for the lord and verse 26 says so that because of my coming to you again uh, your boasting in christ jesus may abound he wants to give hope to the church he wants to give hope to the philippian church he does want to get back to them he does want to be able to get to them and he wants to give them hope that there is still a chance that he can get back to them, but he wants people to stay with their progress. Stay the course. I've, I've used this, these, this phrase several times. Um, to stay the course uh, and remain in the faith. Uh, and that's what's really important. Stand firm, stay the course, and remain in the faith. That's the challenge that we all have. That's what we need to be doing. We're, we're doing those very things every day. And we're doing those very things um, as much as we can. Let's drop down to verse 27. Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And for those who came on late, we are in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 30. And we're down to verse 27 right now in the review. Um, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or I am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith 
of the gospel. There's a lot in that passage. There's a lot in that passage. That's something that we need to understand and see. Paul wants the believers and encourages the believers to be unified. Standing firm in one spirit, contending as one for the faith. That's why it's very important for us as a church, even in a pandemic, to be able to fellowship together. We're standing firm together. Of course, we do our own reading and our own uh, devotions. We don't do our own reading on our own, on our own time. But it's important for us to get together. Whether you see uh, Paul or not, as what he's, what he's saying to the church right now, whether you see me or not, stay with it. Stand firm in the faith. Contend for the faith. We all have something as a church that we can be doing. And by gathering together, we are building each other up. We're affirming each other. We're helping each other day by day. You really just don't know how much you're helping someone sometimes by just saying hello or just saying hi, I was thinking about you, or just sending cards to people and just letting people know that you're thinking of them. You really just don't know what that may mean to someone else. It may mean it may be routine for you to do something like that, but you have to understand not everybody thinks the way you do. Not everybody lives the way you do. You don't know what other people are experiencing and what they're encountering. So remembering others in the church, helping them to contend for the faith is what we all need to remember to keep doing. Um, let's take a quick look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. And this is something that, again, is being communicated. And now this is being communicated to the Ephesians um, by Paul. It says in verses 1 through 3 of Ephesians chapter 4, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. You have been called to walk for Jesus Christ. It's a calling. It's something that you have to do. And you do it with what? All humility, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We need to be talking about humility we need to be talking about being gentle, being patient with people, bearing with one another in love. What does that mean, bearing with one another? Well, not everybody's like you. Not everybody has your personality. But you still treat those people with love and respect. You still do that. Whether people agree with you or don't agree with you, you still come back at them with love and respect. And that maintains unity. That's the most important thing because peace is what prevails over controversy. Peace is what prevails. Love and peace prevail over controversy. Love and peace will always prevail. That's where your unity comes from. Um, we're not all robots. We're all going to think differently. We're all going to see things differently. We're going to have different perspectives of things. The one thing that we need to see in exactly the same way is the love of Jesus Christ in our lives. And let's just make sure that we do those very things when we're communicating with other people. Um, now, let's go down further 
in Philippians 1, back to Philippians chapter 1, where you have to read verse 27 is a pretty long verse about whether, you know, I'm there with you or not. Stand firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. Now look at what it says in verse 28. Not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. Understand that the opposition, who is the opposition? The opposition is Satan. All those those powers and principalities that uh, surround Satan and what he tries to do, uh, he tries to cause division. Uh, there is no question in my mind that the division that is being caused right now on this earth is coming from Satan. It's not coming from God. And you have to understand that the goal is for people to not live in unity and love, is for churches to not live in unity and love. And if you are in the flesh, guess what? You will not live in unity and love. That won't be part of your nature. You have to call on the Lord to help you with this whole process. We need to understand that living and being afraid of our opposition is what does, does what? It silences you. It keeps you silent. It puts you in a place where you won't speak up for the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be afraid to say something for Christ. And look, if you understand what your calling is, your calling is not to be silent for Christ. Your calling is to speak up for Christ. That's what he would have you to do. So you're being challenged in a lot of ways today because of all the things that are taking place to be ready to step up and say some things for Jesus Christ. That's what's really, really important for us to see here. Now, let's look at verse 29. We're almost at the end of the passage, but there's a lot here that's very rich at the end that I want to cover before we have to get out of here. Uh, verse 29 for, uh, in, in Philippians 1, 29, For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. To suffer for him. You have a purpose and to serve Christ, but you're suffering in this world the way Christ had to. This is what you're appointed to do. And what Paul is trying to tell you is that he took it as a privilege to suffer for Christ. It was a privilege. It wasn't something... You know, we don't necessarily think it's a privilege to do so. It's like, why do I got to go through this? What is happening to me? And and you'll have a voice like that <laughs> where you're, you're basically kind of feeling sorry for yourself and wondering why you're suffering. Well, we all are, are going to suffer. We all suffer in different ways. First of all, we're in fleshly bodies that hurt uh, on occasion. They get sore. And, and those are things that are part of the nature of being in a world that's fallen. That's part of what we are involved in. But we're also suffering, too, from the standpoint of we've got things that we need to be doing, but we need to understand what doing for Jesus Christ. But understand that it's a privilege to suffer. If you're doing this for Christ and you're suffering for Christ, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And if we're representing Christ... We have to understand that our suffering and sharing maybe even our stories to people, what they can, what relates us to them to help them to understand that what they're going through is really not that strange at all. It's only strange if you make it strange. 
it's not strange at all. If we're suffering, we're faithfully representing Jesus Christ, our message, and we're helping others to see the goodness of Jesus Christ in our own suffering. That's something we need to always understand. And why is suffering important? Suffering, I know, right? Suffering is important, right? Suffering is important. Here's why it's important. First of all, it takes our eyes off of earthly comforts. Now, nobody probably wants to hear that, but it does take our eye off of earthly comforts. Earthly comforts do what? Can, they can lull you into a sense that, you know, I can just live this way. I don't have to interact with anybody. I can just do whatever I want. It takes your mind off of those things. It weeds out, oh, here's a, here's a good one. Suffering also weeds out superficial believers. Are you a superficial believer? We need to make sure that you're not superficial, that you are you're very deep in your understanding about who the Lord Jesus Christ is. You can't be superficial. You can't play a game with this whole thing. It's an all-in proposition. And understanding that life is about suffering, you're going to have troubles, you're going to have difficulties. You can't be a superficial believer. If it's weeding out superficial believers, that means that they don't have a gospel message for somebody. They need to work on that. They need to study more and, and understand what, what it is to truly suffer. If you're suffering, it also strengthens the faith of those who endure. Endurance is something we all have to do. But sometimes seeing someone else's struggles help us to endure our own struggles. Nothing wrong with that. And we need to un understand, too, that you don't know who's watching you. You don't know who's looking at you. You don't know who's observing you. You don't know who is taking the time to look at who you are as a person. It serves as an example to others who may follow us when they see our life for what it is. We are not expected to be perfect people. Far from it. We're not expected to be perfect. Perfection is not what it's all about. It's about living in Jesus Christ. He is our perfect hope. But for what it's worth, we need to understand that we need to suffer for our faith. And it doesn't mean we've done anything wrong, by the way. Let's, let's also clarify that, too. Sometimes we say, well, if you're suffering, you've done something wrong. No, that is uh, false teaching, frankly. It's a false thought to automatically conclude if someone is suffering that they've done something wrong. Um, and that's, that's superficial stuff we're talking about. You need to have a deeper understanding of what Jesus Christ is doing in your life before you make statements like that to other people. Um, and, you know, frankly, some people make statements like that because they, they really just don't know or they're using fleshly reasoning to try to accomplish this whole thing about spiritual um, uh, conversation with people. You can't use fleshly reasoning in doing so. Suffering builds character. Suffering often sometimes verifies that we're being faithful. And so we need to understand that we shouldn't resent suffering. We shouldn't let it tear us down. It's not a situation where we get wrapped up to the point where we are feeling helpless and hopeless in life. We have a hope in Jesus Christ, no matter what we're going through. So that's important for us to take away from verse 29. And finally, um, oh, one other passage to look at real quick. Matthew chapter 5. We're actually on time. It's working well. Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. 
Now, we've talked about suffering sometimes in dealing with bodily, bodily aches and pains. And, yeah, you, you just really never know who, are, who is observing you and what they see. But understand that what you're doing is not in vain. What you're going through is not in vain. And you just don't know how much you are inspiring other people by living the life that you're living. That's why you need to always go back to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think I mentioned last week, don't look side to side. Look straight up and focus on Lord Jesus Christ. Look what it says in verses 11 and 12 of Matthew 5. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. It's a pretty strong passage, isn't it? Because when things get really tough, and it's going to get tough for believers, you're going to have people make all kinds of accusations. And, of course, they're going to be lies. I mean, that's exactly what Jesus Christ encountered before he went to the cross. They had to lie about him and his character to basically have him persecuted, uh, condemned, he was condemned, and he didn't do anything wrong. Well, that's going to be our lives, too. And look what it says in verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And that's exactly what happened. You know, all the people in the Old Testament, Isaiah, all those people who were prophets, they got persecuted, too. Um, these are all people who, because they stood for the Lord and spoke for the Lord... And people reviled them, hated them, and eventually executed them. That's what happened. But great is your reward in heaven. We always have to focus on what we have looking to look forward to when we leave here. You know, when my mom was sick, and, and I certainly wasn't trying to send her away from here. I wanted her to live through this whole thing um, with, uh, with the virus. And praise the Lord, she's still doing fine. She's doing better. She's um, She has her days where she has more energy than others, but other than that, but uh, it looks like the virus is completely gone. And the one thing that you have to try to avoid uh, is, is thinking like, well, I don't want someone to leave here before it's time. Well, it's God's timing. He's the one that takes care of all that. My mother, in her world right now, experiences music and maybe lyrics, sounds of music, She's enjoying what life she has in that experience. Now, will life be better when she leaves here? Of course it will. Of course it will. All of her memory, all of those things will be restored. But until that time, we need to understand that there's a testimony in her living right now as opposed to dying. There's a testimony in her living, her beating COVID-19 and living. That's something that we have to understand and see. Um, we understand that you can beat COVID-19, but it's tougher if you're 80 years old and you've got other conditions. So we give praise to the Lord for the testimony of my mother living. Even though she is not living the way we would be living, she's living. And that's a testimony for others that people need to see. And my mother knows the Lord. So I am completely confident that she is going to be uh, in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ when she leaves here. Uh, but until that time, there's still a testimony that needs to be given to people. And we don't know where it comes from, but we just know that it happens. So finally in verse 30, just for the sake of uh, summarizing here, 
uh, it says in verse 30, uh, after he talks about suffering, since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I have. Well, everybody knows that Paul is in prison. He is in chains. He can't go anywhere. And so he's doing a work for the church, for the people that are around him. And so the church is being called to do exactly the same thing. Paul suffered for spreading the gospel. That was what his calling was. That's what he was chosen by God to do. He suffered for spreading the gospel. So like the Philippians, we are in conflict with anyone who would discredit the saving message of Jesus Christ. There are people who will discredit Christ. There are people who discredit Christ now that are in your life. You already know who they are. You already know who these people are. So it's not like this is anything strange to you. You already know that people think we're weirdos or kooks or whatever it is because we follow Christ. What is this faith thing? What do you have any faith in? You can't see anything. People, they may not verbalize that to you face to face, but that's what they're thinking because they're not taking the time to really understand. And, and let me rest assure you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to those people. The Holy Spirit speaks to these people, even when you're not around. God is always visible. There are always things, always things around those people who are trying to deny Christ, where God is always visible. We always see people sometimes who are stunned when they see someone act kind to someone else, be kind to someone. Even in the midst of a pandemic, people are being kind to other people. A lot of people can't understand that. How can you be kind in the midst of a pandemic? Well, we're called to be kind because that's the love of Christ. We understand and live for Christ in what we do. We live peaceably. We live with respect. We live with love and understanding. And that's what people need to see. People are going to try to discredit believers but understand that we get together to remind ourselves, frankly, we're all true believers are in this fight together. We're in a fight, and it's against an enemy that's common. So we have a common enemy that we need to make sure that we understand that it's important for us to continue to fight and move forward. Uh, one more verse to look at, First Thessalonians 2, verse 2. This goes back to making sure that we're speaking out boldly for Christ. Don't be timid. Don't hide. Don't be superficial. Don't be a person that um, plays church, plays living for Christ. You're of no value in the kingdom if that's what you think you should be doing. Because that means you would much rather live in the world and that's not valuable at all to Jesus Christ. It's much more important for you to suffer in a righteous manner for Christ because you're truly conveying the gospel to others through your actions, through your words, um, and you're fighting against an enemy. It says in 1 Thessalonians 2.2, But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Are we not in a time of great conflict? Are we not in the last days? Are we not in a time where there is opposition 
of God, haters of God, people who would much rather fight. I challenge you conversations today about looking at unity are being squelched by division. Don't fall for it. It's very important for you not to fall for that. This conversation taking place in the world today is not being orchestrated by God. It's being orchestrated by Satan. Don't fall for that stuff. You need to make sure you're paying attention to unity in the body, unity in the spirit, unity in the body of Christ. Unity in the body of Christ means having fellowship with every race. It doesn't matter who they are and where they come from. I can learn a lot from our African brothers who are so bold in the faith. Um, uh, I'm, I'm amazed by a gentleman that I've recently come in contact with who was a pastor um, in the Anglican faith, but they, they did a fantastic, they do a fantastic job of staying true to the word, staying true to ministry, and staying focused because they recognize there's an enemy. And it's not about racial division. It's about getting together as a people, no matter where you come from. And, and that's to be admired because it takes a lot of strength to do that, uh, especially when you're being oppressed. So we need to understand that it's going to get tougher. It's going to get more difficult. Are you ready? We need to get ready. Paul is teaching us here about joy and suffering for a reason. There is a joy in suffering, knowing that what you're suffering for is worth everything. It's worth it all. It's worth your life in eternity for Jesus Christ. So please keep these things in mind. And so there is joy in suffering, but Paul is still going to advocate and has advocated advancing the gospel. And as a church, we are to do the same thing. We're to do it individually and as a church. Amen? Let's close out in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to get together and just look at what your word has to say to us. We thank you for your very presence this morning. Lord, we just thank you that we're able to get together as we do each week and share your words, share your message for all of us. Help us to remain bold in our faith. Help us and encourage us and strengthen us to speak up for you when we are called to speak. Help us to remember the importance of unity and patience and love and even forgiveness when someone wrongs us. Help us to remember all of these things and focus on these things. And Lord, we just want to give you thanks and praise for your teaching, for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we do so in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. So we're going to we thank you again. A reminder of brief housekeeping notes. Our drive-in worship service down at church. Um, bring your lawn chairs. We're going to be on the front lawn. Bring your bug, bug spray, too, uh, just in case. Um, making sure it's a beautiful day outside today. Uh, so we fully expect to be really, really nice outside. And we, we pray that you will be able to come if you're in Akron. And join us. If you're not able to be here with us, uh, we will be live streaming the worship service and catch as much as we can when we get down there. So we'll be heading out the door and 
running out with our cameras and our our, our tripod and all that, and we'll be doing that uh, at about 11 o'clock. We're going to try and get done set up as early as we can and get that done. Uh, we will be back online about 11, so just keep an eye out for that, and uh, we'll remember to turn off the Wi-Fi and all those good things and, <laughs> and get that done the way it should be. Um, I just want to thank everybody who's online with us today and, and visited with us and joined us. Of course, this will be available later on for those who weren't able to make it. Um, you can let people know that as well, too. It'll be online on our webpage. Uh, we'll have a link through our webpage, but it is especially to be on the Akron Alliance Fellowship page uh, for viewing, as well as the drive and worship service, too. Please remember your tithes and offerings as well. Um, they are, uh, can be mailed if you are not in town. The Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. Um, and we appreciate that as well. Thank you so much, and what we'll do is we'll sign off here, and we'll see you in about 45 minutes or so. God bless you, and take care, and we will see you next time. Take care.